Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. What up, church? Hey, hope you're doing well. Hope you're encouraged by the, the worship today. And as we continue on in our worship service, we're going to be jumping into the message. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can get there. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you know we've been journeying through the book of 1 Corinthians, which essentially is a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And the reason why we've entitled uh, this series Culture Shock is because the church in Corinth was really wrestling and in some areas really struggling with uh, kind of working through what's it look like to be a follower of Jesus, uh, viewing your life through the lens of the gospel, and yet living in a world uh, that kind of follows its own set of rules. There's a whole different kind of culture. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that our world does have influence in our lives. And our whole heart for this series and our goal especially for us as a church, is to begin thinking and encouraging ourselves to view our lives through the lens of the gospel and hopefully live our lives in such a way that we actually begin to have influence in the context of worldly culture. And yet the church in Corinth, uh, many of its uh, followers are really struggling, almost kind of trying to keep one foot in this worldly culture and then another foot through the lens of uh, the gospel. And Paul writes in and keeps reminding them of some of the most important truths. And today in 1 Corinthians 15, I think is probably the most important conversation. Paul surely thinks so, that, that the resurrection, which is what we're going to be talking about, it's this un believable story. It really is an unbelievable story. It's, it's one of those stories, like if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning and, and, you're, and you're watching this message and maybe you've heard the story of the resurrection, essentially the story of Easter, it's a crazy, it's an unbelievable story. It's kind of like the, that Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin kind of story, like you're watching it and you're going, man, this is, this is just insane that, that, that a guy who claims to be the son of God, he he actually called his own resurrection shot, so to speak. He said he was going to die and three days later come back from the dead. And, and apparently as the story goes, he did come back from the dead. That's, it's, a, it's a crazy story. It's an unbelievable story. And yet, it is the story that is at the core of our faith. And if you're watching and you're not at a place where you have made a decision to become a follower of Jesus, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then today I want you, I really, really, I want you to think about, I want you to think about the resurrection. I want you to think about the resurrection. Now, I, in my own life this year, I've, I've been working through some like kind of crazy, un- unbelievable stories. If you've been around me over the last six or eight weeks, you, you know one of the biggest kind of conversations in my life right now has everything to do with my yard. And, and the reason why this is kind of a, a crazy or unbelievable story, and, and, and if you know me, if you've been part of our church over the last couple of years, you know I'm not a big fan of the outdoors you know I don't enjoy hiking. I know some of you love to go into the mountains and it's spiritual and you hike and you breathe the fresh air and, and that is the opposite of me. I mean, I'm actually, this is true, I'm allergic to just about anything outside that's green. The second most allergic thing uh, for me is cut grass. And so my whole life, I have hated to do yard work. 
I've used my allergies as an excuse growing up to get out of mowing the yard or being outside. If in my whole adult life, the whole uh, 17 years that I've been married, my yard is always the one that looks the worst. It has the most weeds. It has the most dead spot. And here's why. Because I don't care about it. I don't care about it. And the idea of going to mow the lawn in my week is one of the most depressing things I have to do. And yet this year, and I have no idea why, but this year I made a decision where I just said, you know what, this year I'm going to care about my yard. My administrative assistant, Heather, she, she's got one of the most pristine yards in all the Tri-Town. Every time I go to her house, uh, dropping off a kid or picking up a kid, I, I look at her yard. I go, Heather, your yard looks fantastic. It's so green. It's so full. It just looks vibrant and healthy. And so over the years, I've said, what do you do? How, how do you get a yard that looks like that? I'm just curious. Never going to do it, but I'm just curious. And, and so over the years, she has said, you know, we do this and we do that. And so this year, I said, this is going to be year. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to care about my yard. And here's the crazy thing. I can't stop talking about my yard. My yard right now, if you were to drive by, drive by my house, and my neighbor's probably watching this, and I'm sorry, but it's true. You know it's true. Just go out and look at the yard. My yard is so green. I mean, it is so green. I'll drive up and down my street. Just look at all the yards. I know, and I'm telling you, mine is the greenest. There's no weeds in it, and the reason why is because I, I care. I, I, for the first time in my whole life, had my yard aerated. I didn't even know what that was. I don't even understand the science behind it, but apparently it helps your yard. And so I had that done. I put fertilizer. Never bought a bag of fertilizer my whole life. I have fertilized the yard. I put the weed control down. I've, I've got the sprinklers all set up, hitting all the zones that they need to hit, making sure water is being distributed evenly. I have it so I don't, I don't even have to do it. It just happens automatically. So it's just plug and play for me. And here we are, like three months, four months after starting to care, I have some, one of the best yards in the hood. I'm telling you, it's so good, and it's such an unbelievable story because you know me, and you know I don't care about outside, that even some people in our church who have heard the, the story, they heard this story about how Matt Cody's yard is looking really good. They didn't believe it. And so they had to go see it for themselves. And there have been people in our church who know where I live. They've, they've gone and they've driven by my yard. In fact, somebody who's at my house, even this past week, they sent me uh, this text. And so if you don't believe me, there's some other people who have seen it. And here's what they said. This is the text I received. They said, I don't know if your wife told you about my comments, but man, your grass looks, and this is all capitalized, perfect. Your grass looks perfect. I don't know what you're doing, but you might need to give me some pointers. Nice work. And that made me feel good. I don't know what's going on with me. I, I will get up in the morning and I'll grab my coffee and I will stand and I will look at my grass. Anybody with me? I don't know, there's just something that's calming about it and, and, and I can just see the, the work that has been done. It's, it's an unbelievable story. And knowing me, I, I, I would even understand if you didn't even believe me, and yet people have gone and they have seen it. The story in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the, the story that Paul's going to talk about is a story about the resurrection, the story about Jesus, this guy who claimed to be the son of God. And, and, and he even said before it happened that he was going to die and come back from the dead. It is hard to believe it to be true. And yet there were people who were there who saw it, who witnessed it. 
And I think a little bit of edge that Paul's, Paul has in, in chapter 15, he's reminding the church in Corinth, guys, this is the most important conversation. I mean, you just read through 1 Corinthians, you just feel this vibe. Paul keeps reminding them, guys, this is not the most important thing. This thing you're talking about, not the most important thing. This thing, not even close. Then he gets to chapter 15, he says, this is the most important thing. If you want to know what you should be talking about the most, if you want to know what should have the most influence in your life so you can be influencing the people around you, it's the story of the resurrection. It's the story of Easter. And I think this is a really big discussion for, for those of us who are already followers of Jesus and also for those who have yet to make that decision and here's why especially for the church because I find I find most people decide not to be a follower of Jesus because they know someone who says they are or because they are married to somebody who says they are Christian or because they work for a Christian or because they're neighbors to a Christian guy who makes fun of all the other yards because their yard is the greenest like they just know somebody else who is a Christian and because of that they have made a decision not to become a Christian themselves and yet I'm telling you that is not a good reason because I, I'm not a Christian today because I know a Christian. Our faith is not based on the foundation of Christians. Our faith is not based on the foundation of Christian behavior. And can I get an amen for that? It's not found in how other Christians behave. The foundation of our faith is centered around a guy who claimed to be the son of God who 2,000 years ago came down to this earth and did for you and did for me what we couldn't do for ourselves, lived a perfect life, then was nailed to the cross for your sins and my sins and three days later came back from the dead. And I'm telling you, without the story of the resurrection, this unbelievable, crazy story, without that story, this wouldn't even make sense today. A band up here leading us in worship, me preaching, you watching from wherever you're watching. This wouldn't even make sense. Think about it. There was a guy 2,000 years ago who, who claimed to uh, be the son of God. He was a Jewish carpenter. He never traveled more than, than 30 miles from his hometown. Didn't have any social media. Never posted to YouTube. And yet he did something. And if, again, if you're skeptical about the resurrection, think about this. He had to do something. That would uh, make this, uh, uh, we could explain what's happening today. That, that some plausible explanation for why the church exists, why there's billions of people around the world who are gathering today again to set their affections upon that guy. What could he have possibly have done that would stir up the world in such a way that here we are today doing what we're doing? And I would argue that that guy died. And he came back from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul argues that for Christians, everything hinges on the reality of the resurrection. He'll say, without the resurrection, we have no gospel. We, we have no salvation. And we have no future hope. This is the foundation of our faith. Look what he says, starting in verse 1, chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to, and here's a key word, remind, because we forget. 
He wants to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. And so there is one essential conversation. Paul goes, when you draw the line, this is the one. Why? Because it's the most important. It's for the core of our faith. We don't budge on this conversation. Keeps going. Here's why. Verse 2. Because by this gospel, you are saved. This is the conversation of salvation. And if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Well, what did you preach, Paul? Look, verse 3. For what I received, what I was told, what I heard, what I was taught, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. So here's the gospel. This is what Paul preached. Jesus came. He did for you. He did for me what we couldn't do for ourselves. He lived. He died. But also part of that gospel story, that narrative is that he came back from the dead. And that's a hard story to believe. Because I'll, I'll play my cards this morning. I've never seen somebody die and come back from the dead. And odds are you haven't either. It's an incredible story. And when Jesus' closest followers looked into that empty tomb on that first Easter, not one of them thought resurrection either. Why? Because it's an unbelievable story. When Mary and the group of women went down to the, the tomb and they saw that it was empty, they assumed exactly what you would assume, that somebody had stolen the body. When Jesus' uh, uh, disciples, when some of them ran down to the tomb and they saw that the body was gone, not one of them thought resurrection. Every one of them began thinking uh, that, that Jesus was dead, that he was going to stay dead, and clearly somebody stole the body. And don't ever forget this. I love that the disciples, I love that the writers in the New Testament put this in the story because we wouldn't believe it to be true if they didn't put it, but they were all skeptical. They documented their own doubt because a guy coming back from the dead is incredible and it's hard to believe and none of them believed even though Jesus told them it would happen, none of them thought resurrection when they saw him crucified and put in the tomb and yet they believed. Why? Why? Verse 6. Here's why. Because he begins showing up. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. So Paul begins laying this foundation of defense for, for seeing Jesus come back from the dead. Though some have fallen asleep, verse 7, and then he appeared to James. Why mention James? Well, he's the half-brother of Jesus. You want to talk about a, a difficult life growing up in the same house, being a brother to Jesus? Jesus the Messiah? If there's anyone who's going to be skeptical about who Jesus is, it would be his brother. Paul goes, even his brother, even James, he, he believes. Why? Because Jesus appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and then last of all, he appeared to me also as to one I'm normally born. So Paul goes, listen, he's been appearing to not just me, not just to James, his brother, not just to the disciples, but literally hundreds and hundreds of people. If you don't want to take my word for it, there are still people alive who saw him. You should go talk to him because I know and you know 
that a guy who comes back from the dead is a hard story to believe. When Jesus will appear for one of the first times with his disciples, this is Luke chapter 24, he appears to his guys, look what he says, and, and it says, he said to them, this, this is what I told you guys, I told you I was going to do this while I was still with you, and everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Verse 46, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. This is the gospel that Paul is preaching. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached. This is what Paul is preaching in, the, in, in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so Jesus looks at his guys. He has died, and he has appeared to them, and he says something that will ultimately change their lives. It's the very reason why I think you're here watching this, listening to this story 2,000 years later after it happened because he looked right at his guys, and then he says, verse 48, you are, look at this, witnesses. You are witnesses of these things. Guys and girls, nobody is going to believe this story unless the people who saw it speak up. Unless the people who saw it change how they live their life. Nobody will believe it. But you will because you've seen me. I'm here with you. They were witnesses of the event that changed the world. They were witnesses of the event that launched the church. It's the resurrection of Jesus that created Christianity. And it's the resurrection of Jesus that started. It began. It launched the local church. And the reason that we believe Jesus rose from the dead is because of their testimony. Because there were people who were there who said, I saw it. And then they lived a life that proved it to be true. The disciples, those early witnesses, they never doubted God's love. They never doubted God's existence because of pain and suffering in the world. And here's why. Here's what I think. Because they saw Jesus suffer and they saw Jesus die. And then they had coffee and breakfast with that same guy a couple of days later on a beach. Something happened so incredible. It shook not just the world, but these first witnesses, these individuals. The disciples saw the worst impossible thing happen to the best person they had ever known, and they saw him come back to life. That's why we're here. And that's the core of our faith. That's why we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. This is the conversation. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13. Here's how Paul kind of sums it up. If there's no resurrection then there's no Jesus. If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke in mirrors. If there's no resurrection, everything we're doing is pointless. Might as well just close up shop if there's no resurrection. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke in mirrors. Here's what he says. If the resurrection is true, then it's all true. If the resurrection is not true, then none of it is true. And these first witnesses, 
the, the first ones who begin to create this groundswell, this new movement called the church. These first witnesses are going to remain faithful in the most incredible suffering, maybe in some of the, uh, all of history of the local church. Many are going to be led to their death as they declare that Jesus is who, who he said he was because they saw him die and they saw him come back from the dead. Friends, when you read the stories about Jesus, when you read about how he led his first disciples, Jesus never asked his disciples to put their trust in his ideas. He asked his followers to put their trust in him. It was personal. It was real. It was vibrant. Was giving, it was filled with love and compassion and mercy. And I would argue this is why, this is why on that, uh, on the crucifixion day, when Jesus is crucified and they watch him be put into the tomb, nobody was initially yelling resurrection. Everybody was depressed. Everybody was given up because the call was a personal relationship. And the early disciples are thinking, how can we have a relationship with Jesus? He's dead. And they hide and they run to a dark room. And then three days later, everything changes. Why? Because they saw something that even themselves they couldn't explain. And it changed how they lived their life. All of a sudden, they were filled with awe and wonder and they had a story to tell that was all about love and grace and compassion and they went out into the world and said, I gotta tell you this story, it's unbelievable, but there's this guy who was the son of God and he died for me and here's the kicker, he came back from the dead, which means it's all true. Can you imagine the early church, even after Jesus is risen and he gets in front of his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, he goes, I'm going to a place and you can't come with me right now, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who live inside of you. He's going to empower you and, and you're going to have everything you need now to live a life in the fullness of the gospel and to gain influence with your friends and neighbors and coworkers. I want you to take this unbelievable story that you have seen and I want you to go and tell and share and watch how it changes people's lives forever. Not an easy task, but you have everything you need to accomplish it. And I'm with you always till the very end of the age. And I, you just got to know there had to be moments for that early church where they're like, yes, and they're out there and they're taking ground. And then they, they get pushed back. Something happens. They find themselves huddled up again and they're going, man, this is hard. This is hard. I, man, I didn't know this was going to be so difficult and, and there's anxiety and there's stress and we have a new ruler and he wants to kill us and we've got this going on over here and these people aren't listening and you imagine Paul every time he's got to write letters back to the local church even this one to the church in Corinth going guys you're forgetting and I want to remind you this is hard work and I imagine I just imagine there were so many like house gatherings with people and someone's going, this is hard and this isn't going well. And, and somebody goes, guys, 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 yeah, 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 you're right. But listen, you know why we're here. Because Jesus died and then he came back from the dead. And we can't give up. We got to keep moving forward. We, we've seen something that was so incredible, we can't keep it to ourselves. 
Peter will go, launch the church, and eventually he'll be crucified upside down. He'll be martyred for his faith. And I imagine they rally together and go, man, Peter is gone. He was the guy. And someone in the room goes, but listen, we're not here because of Peter. We're here because of Jesus who died and came back from the dead. There goes James now, the brother of Jesus, just was martyred for his faith. He was murdered because he wouldn't renounce that he believed Jesus was who he said he was. And the church rallies and goes, but guys, we're not here because of James. We're here because of Jesus. I wonder for us this, today, how many of us are working through something? In the context of 2020, I know it's been a tough year, but Paul would say, but listen, the greatest conversation in your life and my life is that Jesus came back from the dead. Well, listen, it's not going well in my marriage or my job or my health or I'm having issues with the kids or money is just stressing me out. Anxiety is high. I'm, I'm having arguments with my parents because we don't see eye to eye and all these different issues. There's tension with my friends and my faith. It seems like it's, it, it, it's just, it's weaning. It's not going well. And Paul would say, listen, the thing that moves you, the thing that should be influencing you, the thing that keeps you going, the thing that allows you to rise up and push through and keep getting after the mission of the church is the resurrection of Jesus. It's why we're here. It's why the church exists. This past week, I'll share this and then the band's going to sing a song for us and then afterwards we'll well, I'll lead you in communion. But let me just share this, even this past week for me. There's somebody in our church, she's watching right now, who jumped into um, receiving foster children into her home a couple of weeks ago. Even, this is, I'm just telling you, this is the power of the resurrection. Just a little baby. She was given a, a little baby a, a week and a half ago. I think about this little baby who, who's been born into such an incredible, difficult situation, having to be taken from his own biological mother, being put into somebody else's home. And, and I've got to see this baby and, and hold this baby. And even this past week, there, there was an issue with uh, this little one digesting food. And so there had to be this kind of a emergency surgery, so to speak. And even preparing for this message, I'm telling you, this is the resurrection, guys. We have to remind ourselves of its power. This is what sustains us. This is what moves us into more love and more hope and more grace and more mercy. And, and even sitting in my own home preparing for this message, I actually just told my family, hey, we're going to pray right now. And, and, and here's the thing. We're going to pray to the one who is all-knowing and who is all-powerful. And even though these doctors have this little baby in their hands, ultimately God the Father is watching over this little one. And here's the thing. I know all things are possible, and here's why. Not because uh, some other Christian told me. Not because of the behavior of the people around me, but here's why. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died, and then he came back from the dead. And that is the one who we are talking to. That is the one who we are praying to. And 2,000 years ago, that power was so alive and so vibrant in the early church, it shook the world. It would seem as though they were not afraid of anything. All of them, but maybe one of the early disciples will be led to their death as they are singing praises to the Father. How could they not? They saw a dead guy come back to life. 
every single person in this earth will have to make a decision. Did he or didn't he? And if he did come back from the dead, everything, everything changes in your life, in my life, and surely in the culture of our church. We rise up. We keep moving forward. We don't dismiss the difficulties that we face, but they fall short compared to the power that we witness in the resurrection of Jesus. It's the most important conversation. When somebody asks you, when somebody asks me, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you live the way that you live? Here's why. Because I believe, like many of you, that 2,000 years ago, a guy named Jesus was born. He lived a perfect life. And he died for my sins. And then he did the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the unbelievable. He came back from the dead and people saw it. Which means I've come to a conclusion that he must be who he says he is. And he now lives inside of me. It's the greatest encouragement. It's the greatest reminder. It's the greatest kind of thing that can influence us in the context of our life. As we get after the difficulties that we face, we keep moving forward. We keep rising to the occasion because Jesus is who he says he is.